millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Today we've got a great malicious compliance story leading to costing a company over a hundred thousand. We'll get into that in a bit, but first, everything is easy. Why are you charging me so much? So I work in the trades and my neighbor is retired and he recently asked me to fabricate a roof rack for his RV to put his boat on. I really don't like to do side work because my regular work is hard enough, but it's my neighbor so I agree and said, no problem. Fairly simple, 5 hours worth of work, 150 bucks. This is friend and neighbor price. I make a lot more than that in real life. On the flip side, everyone else he talked to wanted a crap load more money. Go figure. He balked at it because he saw a video on YouTube and it's easy and doesn't take that long and I'm charging him an arm and a leg. I told him that's video editing. Fab takes time. Okay, no problem. I told him if he did the fab, I would do the welding for free. The fab is the most work and it's not as much fun as the welding. This is the malicious compliance because he told me that the fabrication work is easy over and over again. It's like a reverse UNO card. I let him do the easy part of everything. This is in real time because it's still not finished at the time of posting. This started Sunday. Today is Wednesday afternoon, so four whole days available to do it. It's still not done. Four hours in my estimate. Unfortunately, a bunch of the cuts got rejected by the QC and the welder because they weren't square. And his design is a poor design, so it needs gussets and the like. Likewise, all of the weld locations that are not ground down to bare metal, but are showing rust. So he needs to take the top bit of the rust off. For those in the know, it's a mix of new and old square tube and angle. If I weld something up and it breaks because of crappy design, it's on me. You have an RV that's going off-road and you have a 6-foot reach on this roof rack with a boat vibrating on a forest service road? I'm not going to weld 1-inch square tube to 1-inch square tube and say it's okay. I'm a certified welder and I'm well aware of the limitations of 1-inch dom square tube no matter my penetration. Gussets, gussets, gussets. Today, Wednesday afternoon, get home, he's still working on it. That's four full days that he can work on it. The fab work that I said that would take me four hours but he didn't want to pay for. And now he's asking a lot of questions. I love the guy and I've lived here a long time and I'll live here much longer. But shouldn't he be looking up those answers in the comments on the YouTube tutorial? I'm sorry, but life is not a YouTube video tutorial. He understands now. He's almost finished the fabrication, and he looked at me after doing hours of grinding on Wednesday and said, this is not that easy. Yeah, that's why I told you to do it. Could have been done on Monday, and you would be camping this week. Sorry for the rant, but I'm a carpenter and a welder, and everything is so easy, yet no one wants to do it themselves. Why can't I just do it for free? Try asking a mover after their 40 hours of the week if they can move all of your crap just for pizza and a beer. Think about it. I should have got into HVAC. Breaking news edit. It has been welded. Not by me, and I'm guessing it's a handyman because a lot of those welds look cold and no prep was done on painted or rusty surfaces. Think he's on Reddit? If so, I think it's the cabbage rolls that gave it away. 
Addendum to the breaking news edit. I don't think he read the story on Reddit, so that's good. But the guy who came to do it brought his own welder and it had dials instead of a screen. So it's an old school one and it kept tripping on 120 volts. Hence the cold welds. He had to dial it back in order to get the welds done. My machine is digital and solid state, so even at 120 volts I can still burn through things. I asked if this welder was CWB certified, like a real welder, or just some handyman. No answer, but that's the unspoken answer. Honestly, I feel for OP because while I don't understand the terminology and all the things and materials that they're describing, you can tell how it would feel to be well-versed in something and not have the work you do be valued very much. Another thing that I especially see this in is animation. People saying, hey, can you make me a quick 5 second animation and I'll give you 25 bucks for it? It's not that hard to do. Or really just art in general. It's gotta be fun to watch these people go, fine, I can do it myself. And then just kinda helplessly paddle around in the water by themselves trying to figure it out. Also, hi, I'm Steven, and if you enjoy awesome stories of malicious compliance, why not hit those like and subscribe buttons down below? That said, our next story is Retiring Lawyer Spills His Beans. This is all from memory bases on the ramblings of a drunk retiring lawyer about 30 years ago. All mistakes are mine. So I started work in the 90s on the shop floor of a pipe making factory, but made a few friends in the office. So one year at our end of year breakup party, I overheard a story from the corporate lawyer who was retiring on the same day. Someone asked what his most memorable case was. This guy was gray. Gray hair, gray skin, gray clothing, gray manners. Nothing distinctive about him at all. In fact, at the annual company party known for drinking, this guy was always sober. But not that night. He was a contracts lawyer. Never tried a case, just proofed contracts all day, as far as I know. He's probably dead by now, along with most people in this story, but no company names as those entities live forever. So we made pipe. Plastic pipe, water supply, sewer, electrical, and telecommunications duct. We were the second biggest in the market and would swap contracts with the biggest manufacturer as we both bid on supplying the big players in the markets. In our jurisdiction, we had a government communication department, which got sold off and became Big Telco, along with deregulation of the sector. We supplied green ducting for telecommunications to Big Telco, lost the contract to the competition, gained it back, etc. Life went on. One day, a new international company entered our market and started undercutting Big Telco. Let's call them OK Telco. So as things go, we lost the Big Telco contract, but picked up the OK Telco contract, which was bigger, as they had to establish an entire network from scratch. Yay us! This is where Mr. Gray enters the story. He was a contracts lawyer, not a criminal law or other specialty, but contract. He gets a please attend meeting invite from Big Telco, along with a select few from our company, probably about the upcoming renegotiating of contracts. When Mr. Gray walks into the room with his boss there sitting across the boardroom table are Mr. Big Crap and several $5 a word flesh-eating attack lawyers. They ambush them with an injunction about using this green you know, the standard telecommunications green, for OK Telco pipes, and are ready to take them for everything, including the pension fund, for daring to supply the competition. They had a strict contract on the table, which had to be signed then and there. Even on a budget, 
Quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Or another $5 a word flesh-eating attack lawyer standing by at the courthouse would have a judge sign an injunction against making any pipe at all until the case was settled. Probably an empty threat, but even a two-week break in production could kill our company while lawyers cleared it with a judge to let us make other types of pipe. Mr. Gray looked over the contract and told the boss to sign, as they could tie us up in knots due to their huge size and budget, while the contract just made it clear that this green was the exclusive property of Big Telco and could only make it for Big Telco. We folded like a shirt and signed. Life went on with us making OK Telco a that green pipe. A few months later, Mr. Gray went to a 20-year reunion from his law school. Guess who was there? Mr. Big Crap, telling everyone about how great a lawyer he is and how he can push around anyone due to how great he is, and definitely not due to his huge budget and army of $5 a word flesh-eating attack lawyers. Mr. Gray is ticked. Mr. Gray bides his time and pours over the contract. A few years later, Big Telco has to have a name change due to how much bad press they have from shifty service and practices, and as a way to avoid debts under the old name. They change everything. Storefronts, letterheads, everything. They are now new old telco. Contracts come and go. The other big pipe company gets the contract from new old telco to make pipe. Mr. Gray strikes. Other pipe company and new old telco get served with cease and desist orders about making and using green pipe. Big Crab Lawyer is puzzled and angry that this has happened and calls Mr. Gray. Mr. Gray arranges a meeting and then hangs up on Big Crap mid-threat. Big Crab turns up with his $5 a word flesh-eating attack lawyers to see just Mr. Gray in the boardroom. No ambush, no backup, just him. Mr. Gray lets him vent his spleen about how they're going to gut the company and Mr. Gray will never work in law again. Then Mr. Gray takes out a packet of papers and a highlighter, makes a few strokes and pushes it to the closest $5 a word flesh-eating attack lawyer. They read what he had highlighted and screwed up their face. This was repeated as the papers were passed to the big crap lawyer. I'm no lawyer, and this was about 30 years ago, so I can only paraphrase what Mr. Gray said he had highlighted. Only our pipe company, in conjunction with Big Telco, can make or use this green pipe. Exclusively, with no substitutes, parent or child companies, successors, or blah blah blah. Since there were only two companies listed on the contract, they were the only two sets of people who could decide the fate of this green pipe. Big Crab said that they could claim ownership of the pipe color, since they were in effect just a rebranded Big Telco. 
Mr. Gray pointed out that that admission would cause all their avoided debts to come home with interest, along with an admission of guilt in trying to pervert the course of justice. Big Crab then claimed that they had inherited the ownership. Mr. Gray cut him off with the No Child Company clause. Big Crap went on for a while, being blocked by Mr. Gray at every turn, and at the end, even his $5 a word flesh-eating attack lawyers were jumping in to shut him down because he was exposing them to greater risks than any of them were willing to be a part of, especially since they had made the contract as airtight as they could to screw us. As they were leaving, Mr. Gray said two things. This was an unfair fight, all of you versus me. Next time, bring more and smarter lawyers. And since we now effectively control the this green, here's a document making the color public domain. We don't want to screw the other pipe company. It's not their fault they have idiots for customers. I just love the knowledge and idea that this screw over job that they did against Mr. Gray and the pipe company was something so just frustrating and memorable to this guy that they were waiting in the wings for probably years to find a way to get some kind of revenge. I mean, realistically, I feel like if any of the bosses knew what Mr. Gray was trying to do here, they wouldn't have been allowed to do it, because really it serves no true point of gain for anything for the pipe company. This is solely just a side quest Mr. Gray went on to just get back at them. Didn't earn the company any more money, didn't get a nice new contract that gives perks just made them sweat just had to flex their lawyer chops and out lawyer mr big crap our next story is the tale of the maliciously compliant nanny i've been working in childcare for a long time 20 years to be exact in that time i've been a babysitter a nanny a preschool teacher and mother's helper for dozens of families i have many certifications and great references that always tell my prospective families i know what i'm doing and should be listened to well i was job hunting again and found a family a bit outside my area but they were willing to pay me pretty nicely still well below what i'm worth but times are tough and i'm understanding they said that their daughter had been pulled from school due to health issues and needed some discipline so i decided to put on my super nanny hat and take on the challenge I love to turn nasty toddlers into lovely kids. It's my specialty. So I start day one with this little girl and hoo boy, I had my work cut out for me. I was given three objectives. Make sure she potties. Her health issues were kidney related, so that was super important. Make sure she washed her hands due to her compromised immune system. And make sure she picks up her toys. Easy enough, right? Absolutely not. So I'm at her house, a grand total of one hour and it's time to potty. I ask her first, can you go potty? Met with a resounding no. Okay, new approach. You need to go potty. Cue the waterworks, screaming, crying, fighting me. You'd think I'd led this child to a killing floor at a slaughterhouse. Well, I'm trying to talk her through how we can do whatever she wants if she just goes potty. Well, while I'm making progress, dad comes downstairs from his office to console her and tell her she doesn't need to do it. Okay, fine, well, it's time for lunch and she needs to wash her hands. Q's second freak out of the day. I'm trying to explain to her why we need to wash her hands and that she'll eat as soon as she's done it. We went back and forth for about 10 minutes before mom comes out and hand feeds her so she doesn't have to touch the food. Anytime a parent comes out, the kiddo starts bossing them around and getting her way. After lunch, she becomes inconsolable. I ask her when her nap is. 
They tell me she sleeps from 4 to 6 p.m. and doesn't sleep until midnight and is up by 8. I'm sitting here going, um, a toddler needs way more sleep than that. I try to reason with them that she's not an adult and cannot make it through a whole workday without sleep. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. They push back. So we have two more days of this, screaming, fighting, undermining by mom and dad. So on day three, I have a talk with them, a come to Jesus moment. Hey, I can't change anything if y'all are walking back everything I try to do. And they hit me with, well, you should try to get her to like you first. Then she'll listen to you. And I really wanted to say, like she listens to y'all, but I bit my tongue. They told me point blank to just do what she wants until she likes me and then start enforcing boundaries. I tried one last plea to tell them that's enforcing the behavior we're trying to correct, and it'll take longer to write the ship. Nope, do what she wants. Okay, let's go. Day one of malicious compliance. Dad has an important meeting and needs to not be disturbed. Toddler decides she wants Papa, so I go, let's go get him. He said, you can do whatever you want today. I'll race you up the stairs. So we run up the stairs and she bursts into his office while he's on a client call. Toddler decides she wants mama, so we go burst into her office and drag her into the room to play. They're now both being forced to play by this little tyrant. And every time she tells me to leave, I do. They keep trying to call me in and distract her, but she keeps saying, go away. And I go, it's what she wants, I gotta do it. They're getting visibly annoyed. So now this child has gotten everything she could ever want and once again, immediately after lunch, goes into thermonuclear meltdown. I say offhandedly, I bet she's tired. They fight me and try to tell me she's just upset by change. She screams for an hour and a half. Mom tries to prep her a snack because they're convinced she's hungry. I'm telling them she's tired. There's a very certain tone to an overtired cry, and 20 years of experience has gotten me to the point of knowing exactly what that sounds like. Dad scoops the toddler up and takes me outside to have a talking to. So while this guy is explaining to me how to do my job, I just sit there and shake my head. He tries to tell me he knows his daughter better than me, and he'd know if she was tired. I just smile and look him right in the face and go, oh yeah? She's asleep on your shoulder. She must have been tired. If only there was someone who knew that. When he realized the crying had stopped and she was passed out on his shoulder, the look of most utter defeat was on his face. He tried to walk it back and try to find ways I wasn't right. Couldn't find it. Funny, it's like I know kids or something. I spent three more days in my vicious, malicious compliance. The parents were haggard. I thought we were going to get somewhere. Then, when she hit that overtired time after lunch... They tried to send me to the library to get the screaming child out of the house. In the same breath as telling me to make sure I sanitize every surface she touches, they tell me they don't buckle her into her car seat because she doesn't like it. I quit on the spot, then immediately reported them to the service I worked with. I do believe they've been fired as clients and CPS might have gotten involved, 
but all I know is they had four work days they had to make up at night once she fell asleep, which, remind you, was at midnight. So, I feel like I got my perfect revenge. Sadly, although these parents are raising their kids obviously in a horrendous way and are actually endangering their kid in some situations, they're probably still doing enough for CPS to go there and investigate and be like, yeah, seems okay enough. Our next story is, you really want to hear war stories? Okay. This is a story I was told by my grandfather, G, about when he and his brother were kids and spoke to their grandfather, Gigi, who was a World War I vet, my great-great-grandfather. It's malicious to be sure, but it's kind of messed up. My grandfather and his family are from Sonderland, which is today the most southern bit of Denmark. But during World War I, it was the most northern part of Germany. The people there identify as Danes and spoke Danish, but were Germans and therefore had to fight in the war on the German side. Great-grandfather never wanted to talk about the war for obvious reasons, and people also had to be mindful not to drop anything, as loud noises apparently set him off. People in the family always respected this, except for my grandfather's brother, who wanted to hear some cool war stories and kept pestering him for it asking him what he did and if he killed anyone and the like. Keep in mind this is a bratty child around the age of 8, and PTSD wasn't fully understood in this time. This is the late 40s we're talking. Great-grandfather kept saying no and the boy kept pestering. Eventually the boy started leaning back in his chair, only to lean forward again so that it would make a loud bang against the floor. And he did this several times while his grandfather visibly shook with each thump while the rest of the family told him to stop. But eventually, great-grandfather shouted at him to stop and that he would tell him some war stories. Turns out, my great-grandfather and his regiment, Regiment 84, committed some pretty heinous war crimes in Belgium. Needless to say, the boy never asked for stories again. My grandfather describes his grandfather as a kind man. Except, of course, if you try to press him on the war. And I think it really goes to show that what war does to a person that a seemingly kind person becomes capable of doing such things. I can't blame the guy, because even though they're an 8-year-old bratty kid, when you're dealing with PTSD and they're intentionally rocking and hitting that chair against the ground, just giving you flashes and flashes and visions and bringing back the stuff, what do you do besides finally just give in and tell the kid more than they're expecting to hear to get him to just stop? I mean, nobody else seemed to be controlling this kid. But hey, like OP pointed out, it was the 40s. Our next story is, manager told me to send the title when it was his job. A few years ago, I worked at an exotic car dealership. We were the largest in the world for our brand, which will remain nameless for this post. And the exotic car side was run by one of the owners, a manager we'll call Jim, and two others my age who did most of the grunt work with me. We sold cars in all 50 US states and would ship them wherever they needed to go. We all worked on every deal and were paid off of the profit of the dealership, not individual sales. Jim was a major kiss butt to the owner who oversaw our department. He wasn't good at his job, but he was good at playing the game needed to stay on the owner's good side. He treated myself and the other younger guys like crap and tried to do as little work as he possibly could. He was openly racist, openly sexist, and knew nothing about the cars we sold or their main competition. Jim's main responsibility was to send out all paperwork to customers and make sure everything was set so we could release the car. 
A big part of this was making sure the car was registered before shipping it out. If they financed through the manufacturer's financial arm, most did for a slight discount. This often meant sending all registration paperwork to the customer to go register it locally. Jim was the only one allowed to do this as our manager had inherent distrust for the younger guys, even though we did genuinely great work. Don't get to number one in the world for your brand if we weren't doing a good job. Well, when the owner wasn't there, Jim would often do nothing all day and then send some paperwork right before the end of the day. On the day things came to a head, he spent the morning shopping for pellet smokers and a cruise for his family to go on and kept interrupting me to show the different options he was looking at. Meanwhile, I was handling two in-person deliveries and dealing with all showroom traffic. Long story short, the end of his day rolls around and he didn't get the paperwork sent out, so he told me to do it. I explained that the owner made it clear he's the only one allowed to send the paperwork out for a registration, but he said, just send the freaking paperwork out. So that's exactly what I did. The title needs to be filled out with the info for the financing company, or they'll have no claim to that car, and the registration will show no lien. So I sent the blank title out to the customer, knowing that meant they could just sign it and register like they didn't have a loan. The customer noticed and asked my manager why he left the lien holder off the title, but CC'd our whole department. The owner saw this and freaked out, shouting at my manager saying, How could you freak this up? It's so simple! Which led to my manager having to admit he interrupted my actual work to make me send it out, while not clarifying that he hadn't even filled out the title yet and that I had to do that. They sent an overnight envelope to the customer to send it back to us. Then we had to overnight it again once we filled it out. He got an earful and the owner never let him live it down. I quit and moved into software sales, network monitoring, code level app security monitoring, and I'll never work in a dealership again. I could imagine working in a dealership, if you find a good niche or you're just good at your job, could actually probably pay decently well, especially one for an exotic sports car or just exotic cars in general. It's a shame to get to a field like this and then find out you're intentionally getting stunted, judged against for no reason despite doing good work. But hey, I bet OP's new field is also very consistent and probably very well paying too. Our next story is the one time dress code hurt men. So in 1987, my dad got his first high school summer job in the kitchen staff for a local pizza place. The place was a family-owned business and did make great pizzas, but they had just started to gain traction and just opened a couple secondary locations, and it was starting to inflate the owner's head a little. This meant the owner was getting focused on their image, particularly in regards to the dress code. The dress code for servers and kitchen staff was the same, the company's shirt on top, tucked in with a belt to either black pants or a black skirt, and loafers or heels. No shorts, untucked shirts, or casual shoes. The issue with this is that it was summer in the 80s in a town where AC wasn't a thing yet and the kitchen staff were standing next to pizza ovens all day. The girls on staff would wear skirts that fit the code, but they were able to free the knee and get some breeze on their legs from the fans, while the guys constantly complained to their kitchen manager that they were going to overheat in pants and they needed to wear shorts in the back. The manager always said dress code was owner policy and that if they disobeyed it, they would have to get written up at the least. So one day, my dad and some of the other guys had enough, so they asked their girlfriends for help and came into work with skirts themselves. 
The owner walked into his original store that afternoon for a check-in to find a dozen sweaty teenage boys with poop-eating grins wearing skirts so short they probably would have been dress-coded even if they were girls and tossing pizzas like nothing was different, led by a 5'2", 15-year-old kid with earrings. Yeah, my dad's a short king, which adds to this. After that, guys were allowed to wear shorts on the kitchen staff, but still not as servers. My dad and his friends were not fired, but were warned to never pull that kind of crap again, and the pizza place just celebrated their 50th anniversary this summer. If I'm going to a pizza place or whatever, first of all, you're not going to see the people in the back, right? What does the image really matter unless it's like one of those open-facing kitchens? Either way, if I went to a place like that, I'd rather see the servers in shorts and clothing that doesn't overheat them rather than pouring sweat and lackadaisically moving around near heat stroke. You want to talk about hurting your image? Somebody passing out on the job sure would help. Our next story is, company doesn't allow me to have my phone, so I cost them a hundred thousand plus. I originally posted this as a comment to a similar story, as I totally forgot it happened until reading that. The LP suggested I should share it as my own post, so here it goes. I've worked in warehouses for years. A few years back, I was a contractor. Companies would hire us and bring in 20 plus people for a few weeks when they desperately needed help. I was a shift lead, usually the highest person on site, and needed to talk to my boss regularly throughout the day on a company phone. One warehouse had a policy where only managers could have their phone on the floor, and technically I wasn't a manager. Everyone under me was instructed to leave them in their car or a locker, however, I needed mine. One day I was talking on the phone to my boss and one of the managers for the company we were working for said me and demanded I hand him my phone, and I refused. He then threatened to kick me out, so I rounded up all my workers and said we're taking a break. We all go outside and I tell my boss what happened. He comes to the site instantly and starts talking to their boss and tells him I need my phone on the floor, but since I don't have manager in my title, they refuse. So, my boss decided I can't do my job, so nobody under me can do theirs either. The end of the day, the other company is ticked we didn't get any work done, and decides to cancel our contract, which costs them hundreds of thousands of dollars because it's written in the contract that they will have to pay to send us home before the original end date. We all still got paid, and got two weeks off before having to go somewhere else. Honestly, I think it takes a lot of confidence to pull all of those guys off of that, cancel the contract and just go home because this guy was misunderstanding or a bit too authoritative for no reason. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another awesome malicious compliance story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.